to say welcome back to church, but I guess welcome back to me. But welcome back uh, to church this morning. Happy New Year to everybody. Um, it is good to be home, and this is home for us. Um, if you're new here, my name is Stuart Sharp. I worked here from August of 2016 to July of 2022, and we left to go to a residency program down in Texas, actually in Pastor Jake's hometown of Flower Mound, Texas. Um, we're there for 16 months as we're trained up um, and then sent out to where God has called us to go to and plant the church, um, Boulder, Colorado. Just to give you an update on what we've been doing, um, it's, I kind of like to think of the program as in three sections, and this first third that we've gone through has really been a lot of inner work and a lot of um, stuff. I think when you're, if, if any of you have, have ever tra- made a big transition in your life before, you know when you're running hard and fast and all of a sudden you stop, it's kind of like if you're, if you're stirring some coffee and it was like a janky coffee maker and there's grinds in it and then you stop stirring all of a sudden it like rises to the top, you know. So there was some, there was some stuff that started to rise to the top, even in my own life, my personal life, in our marriage. Um, and so it's been, it's been very good for us to be able to be there and, and scoop some of those things out of our life that don't need to be there. Um, but as we turn the corner in this new year and go back, we're going to be working on a lot of our vision statements, a lot of uh, what God is doing with us in, in our mission and what, what, what we're doing and what our, what, what all, working out all the kinks for what we want to do and for what our vision and dreams and missions um, for Boulder, Colorado is. And then the final third is really getting the nitty-gritty uh, details, and then we'll be moving there in November. Um, I do want to say this, though, before I get into the sermon or the message. I want to say this statement. People don't plant churches. Churches plant churches. People don't plant churches. Churches In the Bible, churches plant churches. And I just want you to know this. I want to say this up front. Stuart and Chelsea Sharp are not planting a church in Boulder, Colorado. Eufola Baptist Church is planting Boulder Church. We are your church planters. You've invested in us. You've, you've prayed for us. You've sent us. And so I want you to take ownership of us and realize, hey, this is, this is our people. This is our church. It was at this church that I was called to pastor. Uh, Pastor Jake, when he called me, uh, I guess almost seven years ago now, I was planning on going back to Columbia. I had been in ministry for about a year after college and kind of was a little disenfranchised with some things, was going to go back to my hometown and just get a master's or continue my education. And Pastor Jake called me and said, hey, I I got all these these kids in the youth group. I need someone to help with them. And so I came um, and was a part of that. I remember remember the Sunday nights, there was like 20 people in here sitting around the front on Sunday. It was was crazy to see the the growth that's been here. And through that, God called me to pastor. Through that, God called us to plant a church in Boulder. So I want you to know um, that, that people don't plant churches, churches do. And you guys, all of you that are a part of this church, that give to this ministry, you're planting Boulder Church in Boulder, Colorado. And we are so thrilled for that. Whenever I, whenever I drove, uh, we, we drove through the night, we, drove, we left Texas on... I guess it was a Saturday at like 6 p.m. and we drove all the way through the night. This is a, it's a hack. If you got kids, it, we, it helped us. We, they slept through the night, thankfully, slept all through the night. And we got here about 10.30 next morning and I was in Columbia with my family. And I was like, oh, it's okay. But when I drove into Statesville, drove through Troutman, man, my heart started to, started to just beat faster. I was like, man, I, this is a special place for me. And it's always going to be a special place for me. And as I was driving around and, and spending time with different people and looking at all the places and being a little bit nostalgic, three words kind of came to mind that I want to share with you before we get into the sermon. And I'm going to tell you the three words and I'm going to unpack them for you. The first word was community. The second word was table. And the third word was presence. 
And why I say community is this, is because when I, what I realize, what we've realized, what Chelsea and I have talked about for, for the past few months, we miss Pastor Jake. We do. We miss his preaching. I miss preaching. I miss Pastor Colin. I miss all my, the, the pastoral staff here. I miss, I look, if I look like I've lost weight, it's because of me, a little secret, Pastor Jake and I ate out every day for seven years. <laughs> Chelsea, I don't know if you knew that, but we did. Um, we were visiting people. Um, we were having staff meetings. It was good. And so I, I, I miss that. And I miss the events. I miss, I look around. I mean, I left. Y'all hired like 34 pastors and <laughs> like redid the, the basement. It looks great. I, like, I love it. It's, I, told, I called Jake Hull Musco. I, bro, I was holding you back for all these years. It's like I let, you pulled the plug and it all started happening. And I'm thrilled about it because this is my church. And I'm super pumped about that. But listen to me. This is what I miss the most. Community. My community. This, this church, this community, my, my couple's class, my, my community with Jake. And I, I miss my community of faith. And, and here's the idea behind that. Gospel change over time. Gospel change often is deep work over time in community. Deep work over time. And listen, you, you can read your Bible. You can study. You can know all the doctrine. You can take a long time to do that. You can spend your life doing that. But if it's absent of community... It wasn't God's plan. Because I don't know if you know this, but the church was this little Jesus community that started 2,000 years ago. And so I miss community. And so if I could challenge you with anything, before we get into the sermon, I don't even know, maybe we won't get to the sermon today. But I want to challenge, like, listen, that's important. So get involved. If there's small groups, if there's things that you can do. I, 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 listen, I was as in as you can be. I was a pastor here. I was here for everything. And I'm telling you, not what I don't miss the most is preaching. Although I do miss preaching. Although I miss hanging out with my close friends. What I miss is my community. And we're excited to get to Boulder. And it's going to take time. It's going to take just being faithful, being consistent. We're excited to, to see God build another community in Boulder, Colorado. The second word is table. And it kind of comes out of the, I hope this is okay. I just, these are words are on my mind. Yeah. I, I'm not going to be back tomorrow. So <laughs> I don't work here anymore. Just kidding. <laughs> I, you guys do support me though. So <laughs> table. Okay, so, so here's the idea. So think about, you know, Arthur and his, his round, men of his, around his round table. I think about David. I think about his table. And David had some men at his table. He had, he had, he had some Jonathans there. He had some friends there that he could use foul language. I don't know. He had some friends there that he could just be himself with. He had some, he had some Jonathans that were there through thick and thin, that, that everything, like, that, that, that they were his Jonathans, right? And then David had some, David had some Joe Ashes. David had some men that he wasn't necessarily buddies with, but they were loyal. They were holding up his hands, and they were like, I'm going to battle for you. But then David also had some Nathans. We had one Nathan, right? What did Nathan do? He looked at him and said, you are the man. And so if I could challenge you with anything, is, is who's at your table? Listen, there's Pastor Jake, Pastor Colin, they're at my table. They, they sit across from each other, but they're at the table. If I had to, if I had to, if I had to guess... A lot of us have a lot of Jonathans at our table, but not a lot of Nathans. And so let me, but the secret to that is you don't, you don't develop, I was holding my mic, you don't develop a table unless you're in community. And then the final thing, and I'll get into the sermon, is, is, is presence. I spent so, and I'm just being, being honest with you, I spent so much time look, looking forward to, man, I, I just want to pastor, I just want to not get out of here because I love my time here, but there was this, I just want to go do what God has called me to do, I can't wait to get to Colorado, I can't wait to do this, and as now that I'm back, and listen, if you have, if you have young kids, you know what I'm talking about. You, 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 want, you want them to, to get older, to whether they're less 
I'm not, I don't know, annoying. <laughs> they kind of are sometimes, right? And we, then we look back with fondness at those moments, and they're now memories, right? And so if I could challenge it, it's just, just be present. Listen, it, it's okay to appreciate the past, and it's okay to be expectant of the future, but it's not okay to live there. We're not promised any of those things, so be present. So those are just some words that I had on my heart and on my mind is, listen, community table um, presence. And so that's good. All right, you guys ready to get to work? Let's get in, the, get in the book. All right, Exodus chapter number 20. I didn't know what to preach. Um, whenever Pastor Jake, I had told him that we were coming and he asked me to preach, there's so many things that begin to go through my mind. I begin to, to look through uh, different sermons that I had preached. And this one in particular I'm not going to lie to you and say that it was like the Lord woke me up in the night and said to preach Exodus 20. Nothing like that. But, th- but this one was meaningful to me. If you've been here with us for a while, when I got here, like Pastor Jake mentioned, he was preaching through the book of Genesis. And we went all the way through Genesis. And then we began uh, the book of Exodus. And, and Exodus really changed me. Um, well, first of all, it was one of the first books that I helped really preach through a, a big portion of. Um, and, it, and it just changed the way that I think about the scriptures as a whole. And this message um, in particular um, was one of those messages for me. Um, I know that you're familiar with this chapter, um, but Exodus chapter number 20. I don't want to beat you up this morning. I love you, um, but I want to encourage you and uplift you and just remind you of some things. All right, Exodus chapter 20. We're going to read verses 18 through 21, and then we're going to pray and we'll get into the message. Chapter 20, verse 18, the Bible says, And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings, and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. They said unto Moses, Speak thou with with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has not come to prove you that that his fear may be, for, for God has come to prove you that his fear may be before your faces that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. I want to preach a message to you entitled, a message that, like I said, that, that was very important to me, um, that I hope is just a help to you, an encouragement to you as we start the new year this morning. A message entitled, A New Testament. A New Testament. Can we pray together? Father, we love you. And Lord, in, in, in a way, this is, this is kind of sacred space for me, or it always will be. Lord, this is, a, this is a church where you, I spent my 20s. It's a church where, I, where my three children were born and, and, and raised as, as young kids and grew up at. Or it's a church where you called me to pastor. Or it's a church where you gave me a conviction about expository preaching. God, it's a church where you led us to Boulder, Colorado. It's a church where I met some of my dearest friends in this world. It's a church that you love dearly. And so I pray that you'd be with us for the next few moments as we look through Exodus chapter number 20. Thank you for you full about this church, for these people. Thank you for a new year with new hope, God, and new promises just around the corner. We love you. It's your name. I ask these things. Amen. A last will and testament is, is a big deal, right? Estate planning is, is usually a pretty big deal. If you are, I, 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 we probably need to. I guess I did turn 30 this, I know I don't look it. I came here last week. I just turned 30. I've been working on this for many, many years. Um, 
It just is what it is. I've come to accept it, though. I got cowboy boots. I tried to grow out. I can't do that. I just, I'll never be like Pat. I just can't do I I went to his hometown. I got some boots. I tried to grow out the facial hair, but I still can't. I just, I'm not going to be there. But it's okay. I've come to, I've come to accept it. You guys, you guys have him. But the last will and testament is a big deal. And listen, I read, this, I read this story recently. I think it's funny. Depending on your sense of humor, but I think it may be relevant because we just came out of Christmas and depending on how, what your family dynamics are like. But this was from an, from an expert of a will that was in an article that I read on the internet a couple weeks ago. It says, to my daughter Anne, who created my beautiful granddaughter Jane and her dear fourth husband John, who laid hands on my Jane, I have one dollar, you money-grubbing, I'm just going to use the word illegitimate children, if you know what, the, what that, okay. Um, to Jane, so to the grant, to Jane, I leave all my monetary assets, save $5,000 in my best gun, which I leave to my son Bill on the condition that he beats John Bloody during the time between my funeral and my burial. Jane, bail your uncle out of jail, please. So, true story. I, re- I mean, it was on the internet, so it's got to be true. A last will and testament. I mean, those, those, we, we know what that means, like, when it comes to, like, our future or our kids' future. But we also understand, we, those words are familiar to us because the Bible that we hold in our hands consists of two testaments, an, an Old Testament and a New Testament. And you can just think of that word testament as the word covenant. So we have an Old Covenant and a New Covenant in biblical terms. The Old Testament is the Old Covenant with, I mean, it goes all the way back. You look at the the Edemic Covenant, the Noahic Covenant, the Abrahamic Covenant, the Mosaic Covenant, which we're going to look at, the Davidic Covenant. And then we have the New Covenant with Christ Jesus in the New Testament. And very simply, and this is all the theologians may get upset with me, but in the most simplistic terms that I can communicate this morning, the Old Testament is Moses' covenant or testament with God about what was to be left behind for the children of Israel after he, Moses, was gone. So this Mosaic covenant would continue even up until today. The Jews that denied the not, not non-Messianic Jews, they still follow the Mosaic covenant. The New Testament is Jesus' covenant or testament with God about what was to be left behind to us, to the church. And so by way of introduction this morning, that's that's just what I want to ask you. Did you know that? Did did you know that, yes, that we come to church and we sing and we worship and we know the Romans road and we know that Jesus died for our sins and that if we, by grace, through faith, we believe in him, we're going to one day get into heaven. But did you know That in this New Testament that that we're in, just as the Mosaic Covenant left a lot of stuff for the children of Israel long after Moses would be gone, long after Joshua would would be gone, long after all of those things would happen, that Christ as well left us some things in the New Testament for us to do. And here's the message this morning is that we have a New Testament in Christ Jesus. I want you to look at me as we... We're not going to read all of Exodus 20, but we're going to kind of skip around it. But I want you to see three parts of Moses' covenant and testament with God that we too now have because of Jesus' new covenant and new testament with the Father. And I hope it's a help to you. Number one, we have a new commandment. We have a new commandment. Just to give you some background, I know many of you are super familiar with this story, but, but it's been three months. If you were to go and read uh, chapter 19, they say it's been three moons, right? They followed a lunar calendar. It's been three months since the children of Israel came out, were led by Moses. Remember, let my people go. They, they're led by Moses out of Egypt 
through ran across the Red Sea. They go into the, the, the wilderness of Shur, and then they're led to the bitter waters of Marah. Then they're led to the sweet waters of Elim. They go to the wilderness of Sin, and eventually they're on this Sinai Peninsula. And they're making their way down to the, the point of that peninsula where Mount Sinai is. And Moses, as, as, as chapter 19 kind of ushers in this covenant, Moses has been the mediator. Moses, ever since Exodus chapter 4 with the burning bush, Moses has been the one that's been going between the people, Moses and Aaron, between the people and God. The people watch on as, as God speaks to Moses from Mount Sinai in this dark cloud of smoke and thunderings atop of Mount Sinai. But at the end of chapter 19, God sends Moses down to the people, to the base of Mount Sinai, where God himself was going to speak to the entire congregation. And listen, if you grew up watching Charlton Heston, Ten Commandments, it didn't happen that way, right? I, I, I always thought it was Moses up there with the stones and God speaking to him, and then he comes down. No, they, this, this, God speaks audibly to the people at the base of the mountain, and this is what it says. Look down at verse number 1 of chapter 20. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. By the way, as you begin your reading program, reading Bible reading programs, if you start in Genesis and make your way through Exodus and the Old Testament, you're going to see that phrase a lot. I am your God. I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of bondage. Then he begins the commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath. And we know the rest, so for sake of time, I'm not going to read them. But out of the dark, out of the smoke, out of the lightning, out of the thunder, the voice of Jehovah God speaks. He says, I am the, the Lord God that brought you out of Egypt. Now, Moses was my, my voice piece. Moses was my guy. But I brought you out. I, I did the work. I am the one who has delivered you out of Egypt. I'm the one who has delivered you out of 400 years of bondage. Remember, it was Jacob and Joseph. Those Jacob and his 70 sons go to Egypt, and, and Egypt was the, the womb where, where God would form his people. And then 400 years later, they come out as the people, the Hebrew people, the Israelite nation, over 2 million of them. And God is saying, hey, look, it was me. I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you to where I'm taking you. He then gives them the foundational rules or laws of his covenant with Israel. This is the Ten Commandments. And, you, and look, thankfully, we're in the South. We know what they are. But I'll read them to you just in case you, I don't know, they don't, I guess we, they, don't, they don't put them up anymore. That's fine. You will have no other God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any graven image to bow down before and worship. You shall not take my name in vain. You shall remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Shall not murder. Shall not commit adultery. Shall not steal. Shall not lie about bear false witness. Lying about your neighbor. Thou shalt not covet anything that your neighbor has. And God says his peace to the children of Israel. Remember, they've never heard him audibly speak before, but now they have, and they've been given the Ten Commandments from the very mouth of God. And again, if you know anything, I know that you do, but if you, even if you, as you read into chapter number 21, you know that wasn't it. He immediately goes into chapter number 21 and gives them more laws and ordinances and, and talks to them about different things. I mean, my goodness, we're all dreading Leviticus, aren't we? We get to Leviticus and there's just ordinances about this and laws about this and sores and blisters and like white hair. It's like, what? You know, there was a, there was a lot of stuff, 613 of them. The Ten Commandments, of course, were the foundation that all the other laws and ordinances would be built upon. 
The first four commandments were having to do with our relationship with God. The, the, the final six commandments is, is our relationship as people of God with fellow man. And as you continue to read through Scripture, you'll read about how the breaking of those commandments would require a sacrifice to atone for that transgression. And this is how the people of God interacted with God. The nation of Israel, the, the Old Testament, this was the Old Covenant. And that was then and this is now. Listen, we're, we're sitting in church this morning. You, you follow Baptist Church here on 207 Carriage Road, the church on the dead end road. But we are the church. And we are on the other side of the world from where all of this started. And I want to tell you this morning is that that was then, this is now. We have a new testament. And with that new testament, thanks be to God, we are living under the banner of the new covenant with God because of Christ and the cross. We have a new commandment. Matthew chapter number 22, Jesus is, is teaching in the temple and he's, he's talking to the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians and the Essenes and, and, and they begin to come to him and he's teaching and, and one of them tries to come to Jesus and trip him up like they often did. And they said, Jesus, which of the commandments is the greatest commandment? Which of the ten? Or heck, maybe which of the, the 613? And, and Jesus responds this. He, he responds with a very famous Hebrew passage, the Hebrew Shema from Deuteronomy 6. He says this, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And then he does something different. He adds to it. He says, And love thy neighbor as yourself. He concludes by saying that all the law of the Old Testament hangs on these two commandments. Love God, love people. Meaning that without these two commandments, everything else falls to the floor. You understand? You with me? Right? But as you continue to read through the New Testament in Romans 13, 8, Paul says that if we have love one for another, we have fulfilled all the law. In Galatians 5.14, Paul says this, he, he, I wrote it down, says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. James wrote in James 2.8, James says, We fulfill the royal law by loving your neighbor. No mention of loving God. Paul says, you fulfill all the law if you love people. Paul says again, hey, you fulfill the all of the laws fulfilled in one word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love people and you fulfill all the law. You fulfill the royal law by loving people. So the question that I have is, is do the apostles and do Jesus contradict? Well, later on in, in Luke chapter number 10, another man asked Jesus, Jesus, how do I inherit eternal life? And like Jesus, classic Jesus, he says, well, what do you think? And the man says, and I think he'd heard this teaching before possibly, he says, well, love God and love your neighbor. And Jesus says, you're right. Do this and you will live. And then the man asks a question to Jesus. He says, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Which is interesting because he doesn't say, how do I, who is, like, how do I love God? He says, how do I love my neighbor? Because none of us question if we love God or not, Right? We don't qualify our love for God. If I were to stand at the back door and ask probably most of you this morning, do you love God? You would say, of course I do. Of course I love God. We all assume that we love God. And so this man says, well, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Do you remember what Jesus says next? Jesus tells the story of the good Samaritan. Your, your, your neighbor, 
The person that you're supposed to love is, is the person that, that can do nothing for you, right? The person that has nothing to offer you, the person that regardless of race or socioeconomic class can offer you nothing, the man that is in need. And Jesus was communicating this, you love God by loving your neighbor. The apparatus by which we love God is through loving our neighbor. So you don't see it yet? Later on in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says, I, I want to thank you for visiting me in prison. Jesus, when do we visit you in prison? I, I want to thank you for, uh, for, for, free, for feeding me. Jesus, when do we feed you? I, I, I want to thank you for, for clothing me. Jesus, when do we clothe you? Remember what he said? In so much as you have done unto the least of these, you did it unto me. So how do we love Jesus? We love Jesus by loving people. I mean, can you love God the way that he loves you? And God loved you first. God loved you when you were unlovely. God loved you in your sin, in your rebellion. God is none of those things. So can you love God the way that he loves you? Of course you can't. But you can. Because you can love people first. You can love people when they're unlovely. You can love that family member. We just came out of the holidays, right? You can love that family member when it's dysfunctional, when it's unlovely, and when it's inconvenient. You can love people first. You can love that person that they used to come to your church or that you used to know that's in sin, that's in rebellion, just like you were, just like I was when God came and loved us. By loving people, you are expressing your love to God. Oh, church, we have a new commandment. Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels that have not love, right? You guys are going to help me. When I do this, it means answer, answer. Okay, we got it. I am becoming a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, right? He's saying, I have all the faith in the world to say to those mountains over there, move. But I have not love. I'm nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not, it profiteth me nothing. We are living in a New Testament and have a new commandment. Love God, love people, love your neighbor, and listen to me. You will never do the former without the latter. Let me read you another verse. It says, if a man say, and I, and I know it's talking about his brother, but, but let's, let, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? We have a new commandment. And praise God, it's not, we can't eat bacon anymore. We can. We can partake in all these good gifts. Our new commandment is, hey, love people. And by loving people, you're expressing your love to me. Number one, we have a new commandment. But I want you to notice with me. Secondly, quickly, we not only have a new commandment, but we have a new mediator. And we already read these verses, but let's read them again. It says, in all the, this is verse 18 through 21. All the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they removed and stood far off. He said unto Moses, speak thou with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, fear not, for God has come to prove you that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. The people stood afar off, and Moses drew near into the thick darkness where God was. God has spoken. The people hear the thundering. I mean, imagine hearing God audibly speak, and that no one's ever heard him speak like that before. 
They hear the, the thunderings and the lightnings. They, hear the, they see the cloud on the top of Mount Sinai, and they freak out like all of us would, right? They hear this. They flee, possibly run back to their tents at the base of the mountain there. They say, Moses, you keep doing what you're doing. We'll keep doing what we're doing. They back away as Moses is drawn closer. Moses goes back up to the top of the mountain where he's there till chapter 24 when the covenant's confirmed until chapter 32. Remember that? He comes back down and they're, you know, running around worshiping a golden calf, a mediator. Mediator is simply someone who goes between two people for reconciliation, for, for arbitration. And this is what Moses has been, as we said a moment ago, for the people since Exodus 4 and the burning bush. Moses spoke to God as a friend. He knew and was familiar with the voice of God. Chosen of Israel were not. They didn't want to be. Moses, you keep doing what you're doing. They saw the almighty power of God and were afraid of it killing them. Even after Moses and Aaron were gone, there'd be mediators, right? You walked through 1 Samuel, didn't you? I think you finished there. You guys still, you guys finished it? You finished first, first chapter 1 first Samuel? Maybe we're getting close there. Oh, Andy, we've had, almost there, right? It's all prophet, priests, and kings. It's all about these, it's all about these mediators, these people. I mean, even the, the story of, of Uzzah. Remember Uzzah, the, they moved the, the Ark of the Covenant. He touches it, and he, God immediately kills them. And J David's like, oh, we got to leave it here. God, why'd you kill him? He was trying to adjust. It's, there, it was crazy back then. They needed a mediator because God would kill you. God is holy. We are not. But that was part of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. And now we have a new mediator. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Listen to me. I'm going to read you a few verses. This is from Hebrews 9. But Christ being come as a high priest of good things to come. But listen, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of flesh. If blood and goats and bulls and all these bloody sacrifices can sanctify and purify the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, Christos, the anointed one, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Purge your conference from dead works to serve the living God. Listen, and for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament. Listen, Jesus is our new mediator. Because of his blood and his sacrifice, we entered into a new testament with him. This is, again, from Hebrews 9. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. That was Christ. When he left this earth to assume his throne on the right hand of the Father, he left us his spirit. Remember? Hey, Jesus, what are you, the disciples, Jesus, what are you going to do when, when we're gone? Or when you're gone, what are we going to do when you're gone? How, how are we going to make it in this life? How are we going to, you, you've been our guy, you've been our teacher. And Jesus, what did he say? He said, I'm going to send you a paraclete, paracleto. I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit that's going to comfort you, that's going to intercede on your behalf. So you have Jesus, your eternal mediator. You have the Holy Spirit that indwells you now, interceding on your, on your behalf. We no longer have to go to Moses or Aaron. We no longer have to go to a high priest. Last time I checked, we weren't Catholic. You don't call us Father. We don't wear weird collars. You don't have to come to us and confess in a confessional. No, you're a believer priest. You have a new mediator. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling 
of our infirmities. And this, this should help you breathe out. New year. But was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Can I ask you, when's the last time that you went to the throne room? Oh, that sounds weird. When's the last, when's, it does, doesn't it? Because we don't, we don't, we, we, we go to church, we're from the south. We don't think about it on those terms. When's the last time you accessed your mediator? He hung on the cross so you could stand free. He was beaten and broken so that you could be whole and mended. He did all of this stuff. He bore your shame so that you could walk boldly before God. May we not one day not walk to the throne room of heaven having been there for the first time. Hey, listen, you have a new mediator. And finally, and we'll be done this morning, we have a new altar. We won't read the verses for sake of time, but the, the people, they, they retreat away from Mount Sinai. Moses, is, they retreat. Moses is drawn up toward it. And God does something very interesting. He gives, he gives Moses instructions about something that we're not really used to talking about. He gives them instructions for building an altar, for peace offerings, for sin offerings, a, a, as a monument for when big occasions happen. Remember, they, they cross over the River Jordan, and he says, hey, build an altar right here to me. He gives them instructions, for, and, we, and we don't, listen, altars are mentioned all throughout the Bible. And sometimes when we read that, you're like, oh, why, this is so bloody and barbaric. It's just, it's coded into our DNA to sacrifice, blood sacrifice. That, that's, that's, that's just God's plan. But the Bible in Hebrews says that we have a new altar. We don't have to sacrifice blood and goats. We don't have to, to sacrifice things. We don't have to try harder and do better. And man, in 2023, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice more so that I'll be accepted. No, it says that we have, have a new altar because there's already a better sacrifice that's been presented for us and that we can come boldly at any time. And so, so let me ask you again. I asked you, hey, when, these kind of go hand in hand. I asked you, hey, when did you access your mediator? And that's something that's easy. Listen, we're, we're constantly doing that. Man, Holy Spirit, help me in this conversation. Holy Spirit, I've, it's been a long day at work. I need you to, to mediate with me as I go into this home and this house. My wife's been with these screaming kids all day. God, I need you. But an altar's a little bit different. We call this an altar. Why? Because it's a place where we make spiritual decisions. So just let me encourage you and challenge you. As we go into 2023, do you have an altar? You have a place where you pray. You have a place where you meet with God and you meet with this book. It could be, it could be this altar. It could be your car on the way to work. You got a mobile tabernacle where you're just meeting with God. You're worshiping and you're listening to the Bible and you are meeting with the Lord. And you have an altar. We have a new commandment, church. Love God, love people. We have a new mediator, Jesus. We have a new altar. We, we sing the song, are you hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst from a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the what? Oh, come to the altar. Is that just a song that we sing and we feel good about it? Or is it something that is a practical reality in our everyday life and say, yeah, I know about the altar. I was there this morning. I know about the altar. I can take you to places. I can take you to 506. I won't give you the rest. It's right. My mom still lives there. But my home address, right, where I grew up and, and I lived there. And I, I can take you to an altar with the Lord, where I met the Lord. I can take you out to Lancaster, California as a Bible college student, a back hallway uh, of, of Lawrence Hall dorm where I made altars. I can take you to this church, to places all over this building where I made altars to the Lord. 
sacrifice, spiritual offerings, sweet-smelling sacrifices to the Lord. We have a new altar. We have a new commandment. We have a new testament. With that new testament comes a new commandment. And how you doing? We express our love to God. You love, you say you love God. It's on our Instagram, God, volleyball, whatever, you know, like it's on there. But how but how's it going with that? Someone recently told me a friend of mine said, we were talking about getting in debates and arguments with people. And, and I always wish, I always get in an argument with somebody. And you, like me, you're probably like, man, I wish I would have said this. I wish I would have said that. I wish I would And then we, we start to form. He's like, I may not be able to outsmart you. I may not be able to outdebate you. I may, I may not be able to outspend you. But no one's going to outlove me. You can outlove your neighbors. You can outlove your wife. You can outlove your husband. You can outlove your kids. You can outlove your coworkers. You can outlove those people in your life that are unlovely. And by so doing, you are expressing your love to God and you are showing this world that there is something unique and different about your life. Pastor Jake says it all the time. One of the, the greatest witness, the greatest examples and, 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 and things to show evidences of the Holy Spirit in our life is the boldness to witness. And oftentimes witness doesn't mean we're walking through the Romans roads. Witness is saying, hey, you're unlovely. You're a jerk. I'm going to love you anyways. Not because of you, though. Because I love him. We have a new commandment. We have a new mediator. Right? You don't have to come to me. You don't have to come to him. You don't have to come to him. You have to come to him and him. And him. <laughs> you, you can come. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, one died for you, the other indwells you. We have a new altar. So will you come this morning? As Pastor Jake comes and dismisses the service, I just want to ask you, what a better day, right? January 1st, 2023. Some of us need to make an altar out of our seat. Some of us maybe need to come to this altar and say, God, a lot of stuff happened in 2022. Some of it might have been really bad. Some of it might have been really good. And for the most of us, it was probably somewhere in between. But you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to 2023. I'm going to realize this new commandment I have. I'm going to realize that this, this new mediator that I have, I'm going to make an altar. Pastor Jake, you in Heads bowed, nice clothes. Let's stand to our feet. The altar is open.